you'll open your Bibles to the 90th Psalm, in just a moment I'm going to read the first 12 verses. We are in this sermon series, this time of reflection on the daily choice of gratitude, and then breaking that down into component parts about some daily choices we need to make, uh, how that's translated into daily experience. So I'm going to read from the 90th Psalm, verses 1 through 12, and I invite you, if you're able, to stand as God's Word comes among us. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away, they are like a dream like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are consumed by your anger. By your wrath we are overwhelmed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days pass away under your wrath. Our years come to an end like a sigh. The days of our life are 70 years or perhaps 80 if we are strong. Even then, their span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? Your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. So teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. If this psalm were a painting, the backdrop would be the eternity of God. Awesome and imposing. Mysterious. And in the foreground in this painting would be our brief life here on this earth. Humanity's brevity. The psalmist is nothing if not honest. He's honest about life being brief. He's honest about life being uncertain, transient, fragile, no guarantees. And he's honest about life's journey being full of heartache. And all of that is discussed in this 90th psalm. And it goes to the heart of our theme in light of life's brevity and uncertainty. How may I become more grateful as a human being, knowing that life is so brief, life is so fragile? How may I become more grateful and more generous because life is going by so quickly? You remember uh, the uh, seven habits of highly effective people. As Covey talked about, uh, all of these seven habits that are uh, somehow mysteriously found in all successful people, and one of those habits was to always begin with the end in mind. That is, figure out what you want said about you at your obituary funeral service, and then work your way back. Figure out how you want to be remembered, and then live that way. Figure out what's valuable to you, and at the end of your life, to be able to say, I invested my time 
and I invested my money and I invested my energy in that. Begin with the end in mind. What it is that you want to have done and the impact that you want to make with your life, your influence, your money, your words, your relationships, your talents, your time. And so the psalmist is so gifted, he gives us all kinds of word pictures for us to seriously ponder the brevity of life, its fragile nature. He says, we are dust. We are dust. We return to dust. Verse 3, you turn us back to dust, O Lord. You say to mortals, turn back. That is a, no doubt, a hint and a reference to Genesis three nineteen, the verse that we use on Ash Wednesday each year. From dust you came, to dust you will return. We sang a moment ago that wonderful hymn, Frail children of dust, and feeble as frail, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. We're dust. A little girl had, uh, had this Sunday school lesson one day in church. Genesis 3.19, Psalm 90, verse 3. She thought a lot about, we are dust, we came from dust, we're returning to dust. The next day she was playing upstairs, she reached under her bed for a toy and she saw all the dust. And she hollered, Mama, come quick, somebody's under our bed, but I don't know whether he's coming or going. Well, that's how life is. A Jewish rabbi once said that each person should always keep two stones in our pockets. One stone we rub to remember, I'm special. God made me. I'm unique. God loves me infinitely. The other stone, he says, we should occasionally rub and remember, I am only dust and ashes. Both polarities, both things are true. And both need to be remembered. And when we focus on that reality of dust, we are reminded life is brief. We need to be grateful. We need to be generous. We need to live intentionally. He uses other images. There is the image of the night watch. Technically three hours, three or four hours. That's how quickly life goes. It just seems like that's how quickly life moves. I think we could each attest to that. Unless you're waiting to get your driver's license and you think time is going really slowly. And then there is this image of grass. The psalmist says in verse 5, we're like the grass of the morning. It's fresh with dew. It's green. It's strong. And the grass, if it's not careful, could get arrogant and presumptuous. And the grass could say, look at me. I'm going to live forever. I'm awesome. I'm infinite. And then the scorching heat comes in the afternoon. And the grass begins to wither. We know about withering grass in this Ozark soil of clay and rock. It looks like it's doing well and then it just sort of fades out. Bill Hybels has turned this image around. He's talked about the fact that every time you mow your grass, you should think, my lawn is going to outlive me. That's a sobering thought. 
We think we're here forever, but you know the land on which you're mowing? Someday that will be somebody else's. That land on which your apartment rests, that car that you think is so shiny and beautiful, someday all of that is going to be somebody else's and faster than we think. And I've thought a lot about the troubling verses in this chapter about the wrath of God and the anger of God. It's found in verse 7, verse 9, verse 11. And could it be that that focus on God's anger could be about not so much God having flashes of anger about our poor choices and rebellion, but perhaps God's flashes of anger are about our poor choices and rebellion because we assume that we are more than mortal. That maybe God's anger is about us being so arrogant and so presumptuous as to think that all of this is ours. That it does not need to be shared. And that we will keep it forever. In light of life's brevity, in light of life's uncertainty. How can I better practice gratitude? How can I better practice generosity? Because it's all going so quickly. We never know when it's going to end, and it's not ours anyway. Some sobering things to think about. Now, here's a fascinating thing that occurred to me as I was studying in preparation for this sermon. What triggered this psalm? The psalmist as an individual or as a community. Why was it written? Why was it sung? After all, this is the hymn book of the Jewish church, if you will. What triggered its composition? An illness? Wow, I guess I'm not going to live forever. I don't feel so good. The death of someone Loved and near? Some national crisis? What triggered this psalm to be written? Whatever it was, it has universal application. And then that prayer in verse 12 is so powerful. In light of life's brevity, in light of life's uncertainty... In light of life's transience, Lord, teach us to count our days and to gain wise hearts. I don't know if you've attended very many of the funerals that I conduct, but I always include this in my committal prayer at the cemetery as we're gathered together, lovingly placing that Loved ones in loved one in God's eternal care. Lord, teach us to count our days and to gain a wise heart that we might go from this place giving ourselves to the things that matter, giving ourselves to the things that last, to the things that are permanent, to the things that are really counting. Now, here's how this works in everyday life. Uh, this is an application that may, may help us, 
think through at a very practical level. We've all had that experience of coming to the end of some loan installment payment that we've been making. And we're looking at that last payment that's going to be made. And we start fantasizing about all the things we're going to do now with that money. Come on, I'm not the only one who's been there, right? I see, yeah. And we start thinking, this is going to be so awesome. And then right as we write the check for the last payment, or we click that, that electronic payment, the car breaks down. Or something goes wrong with the house, or the kids need braces. Somebody else got to it before we did. Or the same thing can happen with your calendar. You're working and working and busy and busy, and you look at the calendar and you think, oh, finally, two days in a row with nothing to do, no place to go. I can just breathe. I can do some things I want to do. And then before you know it, uh, know it, one by one, just in a slow trickle, things just fill in on the calendar. Do you know that in our consumer culture, in our busy consumer driven culture, there is a secret motto, and it goes like this, God loves you, and we have a marvelous plan for your life, for your money, for your time, we want it all, and that's why we have to begin with our priorities, with an understanding of life's brevity and life's preciousness. And we have to get to our calendar first. We have to get to our financial commitments first. We have to commit ourselves to the things that are most valuable in light of eternity. We get there first with the calendar and with our checkbook and everything else can fill in around it. Because we've learned that life is precious and it goes quickly and you only get one chance. Eugene Peterson tells about the time that he and his wife went to a Benedictine monastery for a retreat. They were uh, being shown around. They walked from the chapel where the prayers were offered each day to the uh, dining hall, and the path went right through the cemetery. And in the cemetery, there was an open grave, and Eugene Peterson's wife, Jan, said, oh, I'm sorry, a brother must have died. And the guide said, no, that's just for the next one. Peterson said three times a day, every time the monks went from chapel to meal, they walked through a cemetery with an open grave to remind them that life is fragile, that life goes by quickly. Somebody once uh, did some musing and wondering about the first humans who ever experienced the death of someone near them. How did they know what was happening? How did they react when this person stopped breathing? What kind of questions did they ask themselves as they experienced the nearness of death? Is this all there is? Did they ask, could this happen to me? Could I die? And then they ask, what happens 
next after this? And I would add another question. In light of this, how should I live my life? How should I practice daily gratitude and daily generosity? You see, God inhabits eternity, but He has invested our lives with infinite value and meaning, even though the length isn't very long. He has has invested in our lives infinite value and worth, and He's offered us a permanent relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And because of God's generosity, God offers us this chance to make our one life count, to make this one life have impact for time and eternity, for ourselves and for others. Let's pray. Holy God, touch our lives with the power of your truth. Open our hearts to the fresh work you want to do in each of us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.